Can you believe this is episode 47? Good gravy, man. I mean, I remember at one point, I think you said that you you just really wanted to hit 50. Or did I make that up? No, I said I wanted to make sure that we hit a notable number yeah. within a year. But this is an endless cast. Yeah. It'll never end. I'm going to come back as a ghost <laughs> and uh, continue continue this with you in case I don't stay alive. Have you seen that trailer that uh, just came out a couple weeks ago? I think it's called We Have a Ghost. I can't wait for that one. What do we got? Harbor in that? Yeah. yeah. Hey, we got Jennifer from, what is it, White Lotus? Yes. Jennifer Coolidge. She's hilarious. Yeah. Yes, Coolidge, and I'm looking forward to her. Like getting all the roles now. Yeah. She's, you know, won the Grammy or not the Grammy, the Emmy and the Golden Globe. Yeah. So she's she's crushing it. And, and that uh, brings she... us to today's topic. Ding ding ding. Horror movies we are excited about in twenty twenty three. Indubitably. That being said, uh we're not gonna be able to give a lot of release dates on these because most of them are T B D, which makes yeah. me wonder if some of them will end up getting pushed to twenty twenty four. Right. Nevertheless, we both picked out some that kind of like, um, you know, piqued our interest, had some actors or directors that were worth uh, noting and yes, keeping our eye on. And speaking, of, speaking of directors, I watched yesterday uh, a film by my fa- one of my favorite directors, top three. Really? Uh, Darren Aronofsky's okay. The Whale. And one might argue it's a horror that movie? to be a horror film. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh my goodness! I haven't seen it. Uh, I plan to before the Oscars. I plan to watch yes. it. And with uh, the exception of one line delivery, I was really impressed with Mr. Frazier. Uh, there was just one that was like, "I hope that doesn't cost you the Oscar." Oh. That was a weird delivery. <laughs> just one line. Wouldn't that be great if they told you why you didn't win? And the reason you didn't win the Oscar <laughs> was for this one one line. <laughs> uh yeah. Um, but you know, it's not your usual Darren Aronofsky fair who tends okay. to, you know, go into the surreal horror sort of yeah. zone, um, rooted in drama, I guess. But, um, yeah, we're not going to talk about that one because it's too depressing. Oh, all right. It was very depressing. All right. <laughs> what are we going to talk about? Well, uh, one that's TBD that I'm really excited about that's coming out, but the the whole idea of it's under wrap, I'm really just excited about the title, I guess, of something right. called Cuckoo. Oh. Um, because we have interesting actors in it. We have Hunter Schaefer from Euphoria. Are you a Euphoria man? Are you watching this? No. All the kids are loving it. I, I haven't, I haven't it, watched it's it. It's very well done. It's very intense. I thought I wouldn't be able to relate to it, but there's- enough going on of all ages of all the characters that it's it's definitely not too soap opera-y and, and in a way it's kind of a cutting edge show i'm not gonna lie but yeah. it's also very uh, a heavy show too so i'm looking forward to seeing the lead of that in a horror film um because i could see her potentially becoming a, a scream queen if she doesn't go the direction of, of drama um and what is her, her name is hunter schaefer and then of course you got dan stevens in it and there's only one picture that we can go off, All and right. that's her, what looks like hiding in either a library or some sort of archive where there's some being in the background that was a woman, it looks like, because oh. there's long hairs, can't be right. sure, but it's either you either got zombies or some sort of possession thing going on here. Cuckoo makes me think there's the possibility of the horror version of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, yeah, yeah, yeah. where we have, like, crazy people who decide to start murdering people. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm excited about it based on the cast uh, and the t- in the title. <laughs> it's very slim. But uh, nevertheless, that's Cuckoo. I think that's going to be one of the more notable ones this, this year. All right. I'll check out Cuckoo. Cuckoo. I'm just wanting it's to say name. it a lot now. Cuckoo. Uh, Interestingly, I- there is a really funny British show also called Cuckoo. Has uh, Andy Sandberg in the first season? He's then replaced by the Wolfman from Twilight. Can't think of his name. <laughs> I never can think of that guy's from name. Wolfman Twilight. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're talking about. I just don't remember his name either. Just call him the Wolfman yeah. from Twilight. Um, and he's actually surprisingly funny in this show because it's so well written. You got um, Andy McDowell who shows up in the la- latter half of the sh- uh, show's run. 
But this is a horror podcast. What am I talking about? Yeah, 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 Go yeah. Go ahead, hit me with one. I, uh, I am really excited about a movie called Year Two. Have you heard of Year right. Two? It is. It would probably end up being more of an action movie, but when it's an action horror in those two combined, it's about two scientists who try to stop the mutation that's turning people into werewolves. After the previous oh. year, um, there was a supermoon that turned people, so that's why it's year two. But the thing that got me is that I'm a big Frank Grillo fan. Frank Grillo okay. sort of graces yes. horror and action, and this movie yeah. stars Frank Grillo, Lou Diamond Phillips, and Katrina Law. And I really like Katrina Law, too. She was on the TV series Spartacus for a while. And... Hmm. I just love the idea of people battling werewolves. If it's done right, werewolves and vampires tend to be my two favorite, like, If the werewolves look good yes, enough. we've talked about this. I'm with you. Yeah, we've talked about this, about werewolves before. A hundred percent. You know, we talked- uh, Well, that sounds decent. Yeah. I'll definitely uh, give that a shot. Uh, the next one that I, I found quite intriguing is called Totally Killer, which I'm excited about because it has Julie- Bowen from Modern Family fame uh, in a horror, which I can't really remember her ever doing before, but I think that she's not. She might be good in one, right? Yeah. Oftentimes, these comedic actors really can pull off drama and horror too. Um, but what's interesting about it is it's a time travel movie, apparently, Love where it. a character's trying to go back in time to save her mom from getting killed and then having to deal with the younger killer. So I think from the premise that I kind of read, it seems like it's along those lines of, if you could go back and kill Hitler, would you do it? Yes, love it. It, it feels like that. But what I find very strange about it is, because it is classified as horror, is it's a, the director has never done horror before, but she's a strong director. She Have you seen Always Be My Maybe? This is the director from that. No, and but- It's a strong movie, it, but not horror. Is it a drama or a comedy? It's it's com it's comedy. It's okay. pretty com rom com. So it's I, pretty rom com. I feel yeah. like that, and we I, I think we've mentioned it before, but I think that there's a really fun um, adjacent world where if you can direct comedy, and we we've seen it with Jordan Peele, we've seen it uh, Zach Krieger who just did Smiley. They've That's got true. Comedic yeah. background. So I don't know. I mean, I I I I think that that could work. I think that transition could work. I'm a big Julie Bowen fan myself. I want to see her in something else. Modern Family's been off for a couple years now. I mean, I have fond memories of her from Happy Gilmore. Yeah, uh, I haven't seen her on the silver screen that often, and I think she's a very expressive, that fun actor to watch. Yes, so, I agree. I'm looking forward to a time travel horror starring her. That so. sounds that sounds fun. That sounds fun. Um, I have another movie called. And this is, I hate when they do this, especially like on IMDb when you try to do the research and that the plot is unknown. But the cast, yeah. the cast. Under wraps. I saw a lot yeah. of under wraps. Yeah. The cast is completely listed. It's called The First Omen. And, I, and I'd and i like uh. to believe that it's connected to the Omen film franchise. And I remember there was a TV show for a while. Oh. But the thing that really got okay. me was I love Bill Nye, you know. Yes. Yeah, and he is the star of it. He uh, he is one of those guys who can is like grounds a character, can make things. I mean, remember him in Shaun of the Dead? Like his role in that was right. brilliant. But there's also some yes. other actors in there that that have popped up, and like one of them, um, I don't know if it's actually Innison, but his name is Ralph Innison, and he's from uh, The Witch, um, The Green oh. Knight. He is which oh. one from the, is he the the father in the witch? Yes, yes, he's the father from the witch. Yes, okay, yeah. great, great. Actor. One of the greatest man voices. to see create characters. Yes, but I mean, with... very like gravelly and stern, right? <laughs> yeah, from what I remember. Yeah, in yeah. Game of Thrones, he had a role on that. But um, oh. the the poster is what I'm going off of, and it's this demonic hand coming down, holding uh, probably. Um, a Damien or another baby. Maybe it's like the very first child spawn of the devil. So that's going to be good. Come on. So we're saying the devil has made multiple babies, right? This is the, the omen has had multiple kids birthed by <laughs> yeah, the devil at this yeah. point. And I think this is the okay. first, the first of them. The so. first, the, okay, the first child. So this one's the one that's going to inherit 
you know, the farm right. and all that stuff. Right, okay. yeah. That that sounds good. I mean, <laughs> yeah. the the last omen I watched was um, the one with Lee Schreiber, and it was good. And it was really strong. Yeah. So yeah, I remember that too. I have high high hopes for that. High hopes. Um, sweet. Speaking of good actors, this next one didn't have a lot on what the story was, but Ryan Cox. Oh come on, Parker Posey. Yep. Edie Falco and Lisa Kudrow. What? And it's all about like. <laughs> The kids bring their parents to this house for a, a rental getaway. Okay. But there's, of course, a 400-year-old pol- poltergeist in the house. So. <laughs> now, we've done a whole episode on rental horror before, so we, we might... We, I mean, I'd say we're a bit of experts, so that does sound exciting. I don't think that was one of our most listened-to casts. <laughs> Nevertheless, I am interested it's... in the parenting. Yeah. Um, All right. Interesting name. But yeah, just based on Brian Cox, honestly. Yeah. Did you see that last one that he was in? Was it set in a morgue? Oh yeah. Uh, what's that one called? Um, the autopsy. The autopsy. Yes, of... autopsy of Jane Doe. Jane Doe. Yes. Uh, and he was the best part about that. I yeah. struggled with that movie as a whole, but a lot of people love that. That's on a lot of people's like underrated, it... amazing yeah. movie. Yeah. Didn't quite hit what I wanted it to hit, but I'm looking forward to seeing more Brian Cox. In horror, because Succession was pretty horrific itself. Yeah, absolutely. He is such a force to be reckoned with. Like, that man um, just steals, I, mean, I don't want to say steal scenes, but, like, when he's on the camera, your your eyes go to him. And, and you're right. That's true. I think true. he can carry projects. That yeah. sounds exciting. I mean, well, you remember where the first time you, you saw him was? When did you first note oh, Brian Cox? Oh man! Well, I believe he was in X Men Two. That's that's it for me. <laughs> X Two. X Two. And then but the, he's good in that. Yeah, and I think that the the role that he did that really put him out, at least as far as like American audiences, because I'm sure he's done you know a number of stuff sure. in the UK. Was um, uh, Troy. He was uh, oh, Agamemnon. Yes. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Or wait a minute. I take that back. The movie Braveheart, he plays the young Mel Gibson's uncle who comes and takes him and teaches him how to be a badass. Oh, in the beginning? Yeah. That little he's like, I'm training. Your, I'm your mother's uh, brother. And he's like basically like, get on my horse. <laughs> That's right. I was obsessed with Braveheart as a kid. Yeah. And then Mel Gibson had to go and, you know, yeah. be a Nazi or whatever the hell. <laughs> Uh, he's such a great director too that's yeah. what's so frustrating is like Apocalypto he's I done know. some really amazing work as a director and to just sully that like some of these guys do Um, alright you're up yeah I'm sticking with Catholic horror here you know after the Omen this movie sort of snuck up on me it's um their trailer released earlier this week and it's called The Pope's Exorcist and it stars Russell Crowe, and I just mentioned Ralph Innocent on another project. He's also in this as the voice of a well, demon, and this has to do deal with, and I don't know if it's based off of, you know, quote-unquote true events, but the Pope has, at least in this movie, a specific priest that he goes to to deal with, uh, you know, possessions, and... Russell Crowe plays this exorcist. Uh, the Pope is played by Frank, Franco Nero, who is of Italian screen fame. You might know him as the original Django, but he is um, hey. a fantastic actor. He plays the Pope. Um, uh, the director, I believe, is notable. He did um, Overlord a few years ago, which was a fun action horror movie. Um, okay. with uh, 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 White Russell, and it takes place about the Nazis. Uh, he, he's, a, he's a good director, and the, uh, this trailer looked really fun. You know, you could come a long way with uh, demons and possessions, and, and, you know, as many movies as there are that take place around this, I really like the spin on this and how high up like it goes, like right to the Pope. And it's the yeah. one thing, as someone who was raised Catholic, I could, you know, the thing that was like the most interesting of Catholicism to me has always been that relationship between the church and 
evil. So yeah, I I you know you're onto something there. That that that's that's very true. Good. When I think about, I love vampires and werewolves too. Mm-hmm. But and while I don't believe in ghosts or anything, right. you can't help sometimes in life get a little mystical and acknowledge the possibility that there's layers that we can't see. Yeah, and. I feel like in a weird way in, in the horror realm when you're not dealing with straight, like the strangers, just horrible people. Right, right. Um, man versus man. <laughs> when you're dealing with something extrasensory, supernatural, for some reason, I, I will say that I might buy into a little bit more than possibility of, you know, the zombie outbreak. Yeah. And, and sticking with that, I don't know why this is all coming together at the same time because there's another... Um, there's another <laughs> exorcism movie coming out this year. I forget the name of it, but it's it'll come to me. But I'm also listening to a podcast right now that is called The Exorcist Files, and it's hey. super interesting. It's about a guy who actually worked for the Catholic Church, and this is his archives. He's going through, through and telling you about these cases. And whether or not you believe in it, it's still good storytelling. And yeah. I, I, I just love the fact that Something like this that a lot of people in your day-to-day life will just sort of like, you know, cast aside. But so much has gone into it. So much so that a priest has archives of the different cases he's worked on. It's just all very That's fascinating. Interesting. You know, it, it's... And the reality is I think most religious people do believe, certainly Christians believe in these otherworldly things, angels and demons yes. sort of thing. So yes. Um, I think it yeah taps into a vein there. Mine is not far off, and maybe this is the one you were thinking of uh, when you mentioned exorcism. But it's something called True Haunting, and this uh, director is the same director who did Kiss the Girls, which is the one I noted oh. of his that I, I remember really liking. Um, from Me Too Warrior, Ashley Judd, she's in that puppy. Go back and watch it within a what's his face, the God Morgan Freeman, our God, yeah, our actor yeah. God forever. Uh, but this one sounds interesting because. It's in 1971, and I don't know if this actually happened or if they're claiming or they're just, like, making it up, but they use NBC specifically. So in 1971, apparently in NBC, they, they broadcast an exorcism I think that I... didn't work, <laughs> but then after the filming, things got a thousand times worse. Yeah. So it seems unlikely that... I, don't, I was just so shocked that they used NBC airing this thing uh, maybe it happened right. this is something we got to research obviously but yes. the concept of you know televising the stuff like you said because it does have such a broad audience i think could be rife for something new yeah in this department yeah i think you're right i i think a lot of people will buy into that i think a lot of people because it's got that historical value much like true crime where they can go back Good to a broadcast point. or a moment in, t- in history and be like, this actually happened. This was actually broadcasted. Here's another reason why people are going to go see it. Apparently, it looks like Aaron Moriarty, a la The Boys, is our lead. Oh, okay. Now, people like Starlight. I think Starlight is the beloved character from The Boys maybe more than anyone else. Yeah. The most sympathetic even, even more than Huey. Huey uh, wasn't super sympathetic in the last one. Nope. Agreed. But um, Starlight continues to be so. I I'm I'm curious if she's going to have a box office draw. Yeah, that's a good question. But I think I think you'd be surprised. I think I think people, you know, as long as they're familiar with this person, this actor, I think they'll give them a chance. We'll yeah, see. It is we'll... based on a book, so um, I will. I'm trying to remember an actor's name really quick. Uh, this other, this other British actor. Well, while you're looking, yes, I'm going to mention one that everyone knows coming out is Fre- Five Nights at Freddy's. We got Josh yes. Hutcherson up in here. And what I find interesting is the director is the director of The Wind, which we talked about oh, recently, yeah. which was that like yep. old, timey, Heading out west, Oregon Trail-y sort of business. Yep. Um, and I really like that movie for 
you know, what seemed like a fairly small budget. So I'm really curious now that she's been given money and this IP that is just adored, what's going to happen with Five Nights at Freddy's? Have you played Five Nights at Freddy's? Never. I've not. Uh, I've played it on VR. Wow. And That's it's scary. It, it's scary. It is legitimately scary. I, I'm not going to lie. I haven't played enough of it, um, possibly because it, especially in VR, maybe I should try it on a console or something. But it gets it gets you because you know there's so much there's there's jump scares yeah. Yeah. sort of thing that just you that's all you're encompassed in. Um, but I'm excited to see jo- Josh Hutcherson back back at it. Yeah. Um, and this director Emma, Emma Tammy Tammy. Uh, um, I have high hopes for so. Okay. Everyone's going to see Five Nights at Freddy's. That's going to make some money. I'm telling it, it you, it definitely will. I bet you it'll it'll launch a a new you know franchise in this sense. Uh, I found the movie I, think I was so. thinking of. I saw this trailer, the trailer the other day, also sort of dealing with um, possession and whatnot, but very rooted in Catholicism. It's called Consecration, and it stars mm. the actor I was trying to think of was Danny Houston, who you've known yeah. for like a ton of movies, and especially in horror. He's been in American Horror Story. He did Thirty Days of Night. Fantastic actor. It's Danny Houston and Jenna Malone, and. Yeah. The director of this, to tie things back a couple weeks ago, is Christopher Smith, the guy who did Triangle. He did uh, oh, Severance. interesting. He did Black Death. Yes. And this movie, I don't know if Catholics are, are really popular right now with horror because we also have The Nun 2 coming out this year. Now, this was a movie that it- was pushed from the previous year. And I don't want to go into it if you're going to talk about it, but it's... um. It's sort of like maybe a second shot at it because the first nun didn't do all that great. I didn't even bother yeah. with it. Yeah, but uh, there's hope. Sometimes a second, like Ouija, that right. second Ouija, it's great. Was freaking amazing. The first one was just dumpster fire. But isn't the second? Uh, but that f- Mike Flanagan ahead, potentially yeah. isn't that Mike Flanagan? Yes, yeah. I think <laughs> that's that has a lot to do with yeah. it. And like the, it wasn't. There was no threads that were connected other than the Ouija board. Yeah. So I think that had a lot to do with it. Yeah. But that's interesting. And I just think the Catholic uh, horror genre is so abundant because I think that's probably the, the, the most zealous and believing of these yeah. sort of evil and uh, evils. And, and yes, I didn't even, evils out. I didn't even bring up the movie that's coming out later this year. Um, and we can bring it up a little bit later if you'd like to that's I mean is the epitome of what we just described as far as Catholicism and, and horror but um, I wanted to mention another movie because I'm getting off of, of that that dream sure. but there's a movie coming out this year called Summoning Sylvia and let's do a little research about it it is I think it's gonna I think it's gonna be very new because it it revolves around a gay bachelor party turned spooky when they actually summon a spirit. And this is an all um, male cast uh, gay bachelor party. And I haven't hey. seen that. And I think it's, you know, I think it's going to be really, really great. It's gonna that probably, sounds interesting. Yeah. yeah it's, it's listed as a horror That's... comedy thriller. And I don't know. I just feel like th- that as far as representation goes in horror... I, we're starting to see more gay characters, and and not as stereotypes, as really well-written right. characters. And uh-huh. as far as representation goes, I feel like this might be a really nice, um, again, as our representation, maybe for some young kids who haven't gotten into horror yet. Maybe, maybe this will be the movie that kind of, like, opens the door for, like... How fun! How fun the genre is. That's interesting. Yeah, I'll definitely um, be seeking that one out. One hundred percent. Summoning Sylvia, and you mentioned um, representation, and I watched Knock at the Cabin a couple days ago, and there's definitely representation in there in a non-stereotypical way. And I, I liked it. I did like it. Watched it. Yeah. I know it's getting mixed reviews. Right. Um. But maybe maybe we'll talk about it down the line, so I don't have to dig into that. Yeah. My next one is interesting in that uh, I wasn't exactly 
aware that apparently like children's game there's like this element of cruelty embedded in them is oh is what this blurb claims it's called all fun and games and it's about siblings who are are they find themselves stuck in a, a childhood game or there's so like jumanji demonic activity okay. it does sound like a horrific jumanji in that's a way great. that's great um what also intrigues me about it is it's got our boy Keith David, a la The Thing, oh, yeah. a la oh, They yeah. Live. Uh, you can't get wrong with him. He knows how to pick a good horror movie. And then Natalia Dyer, who I actually had reservations about for a minute, um, but I just recently watched Velvet Buzzsaw. Have you seen this one? <laughs> yeah, I have seen it, yeah. That's a horror movie that I was complete, that completely went on my radar, probably because of the pandemic. But yeah. I was I was pleased with what she did in that. I was really impressed with the movie as a whole. If you haven't seen Velvet Buzzsaw, it's really fun. That was a, um, a Netflix release during the pandemic. Yeah, that like yeah. So you got Jake Gyllenhaal in that puppy yeah. and a Tony Collette. It's it's a it's a it's just packed with good performers and not unlike uh, that one episode of Cabinet of Curiosities. You're dealing with like art that uh-huh. swallows you whole, sort right. of thing. Um, but I, I digress. Natalia Dyer's in it, so you know I think that's going to be the draw. I'm not sure people are as excited about Keith David as we are, but I <laughs> think that's that's going to get people to see all fun and games, which I really like the title too. That is all a right, great name. Surprised that isn't. Sometimes I think you just get a really good idea for a horror movie when you come up with a good title and work backwards I think, that way. I think you're right. Yeah. Have you heard of speaking of? Children's game, I, games. I don't know. This is this movie's called Spin the Bottle, and Ooh. it's a story of a group of teenagers in a small town in Texas who unleash a deadly force. I don't know how they're going to do it after playing the famous game. Now, if you look at the cast, though, it's Justin Long, Ali Larder, and um, the rest of the cast seems very young. So I don't know if this is like. Are Justin Long and Allie Larder now at an age where they're just the parents? Like, <laughs> because yes, I think I think so. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I I just I just thought it was um, an interesting idea, like just taking something like a child's game, like you were just talking about, uh, which you'd play at like at a party when you were a teenager, and then turning it into something terrible because it is it is one of those yeah. moments uh, where, which could be devastating for a child you know like i let's Absolutely. make a horror movie called seven minutes in heaven I'll, I'll i'll write it right now yeah uh those those paired really well together i'm glad you hit hit that one right yeah. after yeah spin the bottle and i, I guess spin another movie that doesn't have necessarily a release date but uh, i would bet you you're gonna see that around the summertime if not summer late summer like getting ready that for makes Halloween. sense yeah well, we're going to be talking about Infinity Pool here in a second, so let's each pick one more. I will note that I'm seeing Cocaine Bear tomorrow, of course. I uh, we already got the tickets. I'm I'm very excited for this. I'm so excited. Especially, I'm excited because Felicity Carrie Russell, yeah, has done some really good horror. Yeah, um, she's in this Alien one. I can't remember the name of it right now. That's just amazing. And then she was recently in that one we talked about, about the Wendigos. Yep. I don't know. I think she's picking these really smart horror movies of late. Yeah. And this could be a lot better than anyone anticipates it being based on the name. Well, the last one I'm going to mention, uh, instead of a bear, we're dealing with a dog. And I think this is oh, going to be... I read it. Did you write that note? Was that you? I just looked... <laughs> yes. I was like, what? I... It... Next to the moving light, bitch, uh, Mr. Pagnosi here put, ha ha, what? <laughs> yeah. This Amy is Adam, real? Mom, that begins to worry she may be turning into a dog. So, there's that. <laughs> there's that. Um, That sounds like it could be like a Disney movie, too, you know? Which I believe there are Disney movies about parents. It's like a parent turning into a shaggy dog. Isn't that a movie? I think so. Pretty sure. Yeah. Transmogrification. Sure. It's, a, it's a good angle. Yeah. I do like that angle. Um, before I forget, did you also hear that, you know, Elizabeth Banks, the director of Cocaine Bear, is already being pitched the idea of Cocaine Shark? <laughs> I have heard that, but yeah. I don't think we need that. 
Yeah. <laughs> doesn't seem. We've had but so many shark that, movies. Yeah. More. Sharknado has ruined any sort Air. of par- parody shark stuff for me. Can't do it. Uh, yeah, that's um, that's an interesting movie for you to pick. Night Bitch. <laughs> I it's just Amy Adams. She's an A-lister. Won yeah. Academy Awards before. To be in something like that must mean the script is, uh, really really interesting. You so. know what I mean? And yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I'm figuring. I see the director is Mariel Heller, um, who is known for The Queen's Gambit. I guess looks like her biggest thing, which was okay. well done. Yeah, but it doesn't seem like she has much horror on her docket here. So. All right, um, I there you know there are a lot of movies that uh, we haven't mentioned that deserve. Oh my gosh, over eighty that we just wrote down. But there are some that I think people are gonna be like, "How come you didn't talk about this?" Because I, I, you know, I didn't want to talk about the obvious ones. My, my number one is Evil Dead Rise. I am very excited mm. for this this new installment into the Evil Dead universe. I thought that you know Fetty Alvarez did a fantastic job with the Evil Dead remake. Um. Oh, yeah, that was great. Yeah, it was really, really great. But there are, you know, we have Scream 6 coming out this year. We have True. The Exorcist remake, which is the one I was talking about earlier that I didn't David mention. David Gordon Green's, it's coming out this year? It's coming out October 13th. Turning them out. That makes me a little concerned. I know. But then again, the Halloween stuff was kind of done early-ish yeah. because of the pandemic. Or am I, yeah. am I wrong? No, I think you're right. I think... I'm going to cross my fingers for it because yeah. I know people worship The Exorcist and... Is a is not believer. It didn't really hit home for me with with a few moments yeah. being the exception. Uh, but yes, maybe he'll turn it into something awesome. We have we have Salem's Lot that was was pushed from last year as well. We have um, a new Insidious movie, which Patrick Wilson is actually uh, directing it. Huh. And you know, there's there's um, there's some other ones. I just I just think that are like. Yeah, we could have talked about it. Like, have you seen the trailer for The Boogeyman? It's another Stephen King short story turned into a feature that I want to be excited about. The trailer looks good, but will it be? So, yeah, there's a lot coming out this year. The Strangers yeah. sequel. They're putting out a new Strangers movie to make it like a full mm. trilogy. And there's no release date on that yet, but I would venture to guess you'll see it around Halloween. That's another one of those that just, like, haunts you. That's a very yeah. disturbing Oh yeah, franchise for, yeah. in the horror realm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and then there's then there's um, some other fun ones like Renfield. Yes, yes, <laughs> maybe. Aquafina's <laughs> in it, so for that alone, I'm excited about it. Because yeah, she has. She's really funny. Missed the mark lately. Nora from Queens is hilarious. If you haven't watched that on HBO, you got to check that out. She's great. Um, but you're right. There's there's plenty for us to talk about yeah. this year, and super excited. We could only. Scratch the surface because sure. now we got to talk about the latest one we just watched, still in theaters in some places. Then that's Infinity Pool. Yeah, this is Brandon uh, Brandon Cronenberg's uh, latest, and I gotta tell you, I really enjoyed it. I did too, a lot more than Mara did, who I watched it with, and um, she she hated it. <laughs> but I. <laughs> I really liked it. it. And then when I was trying to explain why I liked it, she's like, you pretentious <laughs> son of a bitch. You know? Because <laughs> I was just digging so deep into yeah. what I think Cronenberg, uh, Brandon, was trying to do. I, I don't think maybe everyone will get that. No. Um, yeah. Did you do any research about what the movie was going into it? Because I did zero. I, did, no, I didn't want to know. I had seen a preview in front of Skinnamarink. With the masks, but it right. Was pretty, it was pretty ambiguous. The yeah. mask was the only thing that kind of like stu- stood out and maybe him being kind of like BDSM'd up a little bit. Yeah. I thought it. Yeah. I didn't really have a sense that there was this doppelganger clone <laughs> aspect to it. At all, I didn't see that coming a mile away. Yeah, and I, I you know what, I, I guess we should say we're we're going to spoil the hell out of this right now. So if you don't oh, want it, if you don't want to listen to this and you're really excited to watch it, please come back <laughs> to this episode. This is why we're putting it after all of the uh, the well, we're putting yes. it a second. Um, right. Uh, I'll tell you right now, I I thought this movie was something else. Like I I thought this was more of like uh, a 
trickery than the psychological um, mind fuck. What do you, you mean will. by that? So I I thought this was more more going to be about. So when 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 you find out that you're you're in this prison in the country, I'm not even remembering what it was. Oh, it is a made up yeah, country. Yeah, it was fictional. Okay, all yeah. la or something. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> At first, I thought it was token token teens or something, but no, it's la something. Yeah, I can't. I I, I thought it was mostly going to be about this idea that this country tells you they're going to do this one thing, and then there's no actual doppelganger. I thought it was going to be, or at least a switcheroo, which comes up in conversation later in the movie. And I thought it was just going to be more about you just punishing the rich. But this was not what that movie was necessarily about. It's no. is, um, it is much more than that. Uh, let, let's let's talk about the setting first because okay, when I when I started watching this movie, I thought they were somewhere tropical, um, maybe somewhere you know that's frequently visited. You know, you know, especially after right. watching TV shows like White Lotus, you're like, oh, they're doing a resort, yeah. Uh, and then you find out you can't, you're not supposed to leave the grounds, right? And when they do, the Pearl Princess Resort, yes, what it's called. And when, I don't know, that might have significance. Yeah. The amount of barbed wire and fencing around this place is more of a prison than an actual um, resort. Yeah. So, and then you yeah. you kind of find out that this isn't necessarily a resort at all. This is like taking advantage of a third world country. Right. What? Very exploitative. <laughs> Exploitation is one of the through lines yes. of this movie. Um, that's interesting you say that because it is a, you know a fake country or whatever, but they're reluctant to let them back in after they go on their excursion. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if you notice this because I'm like on the second speed watch that I did, when they're driving to in- enjoy the beach or whatever yeah. together, well, yeah, there's there's actually like fencing and weirdness as they're driving by, and it looked like there's a guy with like. An old timey gun keeping yeah. people prisoners. It looked like an Auschwitz sort of situation. Right, right. It was really brief, and it was drive by. I hadn't noticed that the first time, but yes, well, this is a very strange, strange place for them to be visiting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a there's a lot to to dissect in this movie for sure. Um, I first want to compliment the direction of it. I really did like it, especially in the beginning. There's a lot of this amazing, like, spinning camera cinematography that didn't make me sick, like, irresistible. You know what I mean? It actually was effective um, and actually, you know, thematically appropriate, given that his entire world is is flopped on its head, flipped on its head, rather. Absolutely. Uh, Uh, I thought it was a really interesting relationship between... um, our uh, Skarsgård's character and his wife. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, the movie opened... Cleopatra Coleman and Skarsgård. Yes. Uh, James movie... and <laughs> Yep. And the movie opens up and, and, and still in black and we just hear them talking and he says something under his breath and, and it just goes right into this, like, resort world. And I didn't... Ex- well, here's the thing. I knew it was going to be something of a mind fuck because it's right. a Cronenberg, yes. right? But I guess I didn't. I don't know. It, it's a really, it's really tough. Like, I guess I just don't know where to begin to talk about this movie. <laughs> well, I think it's interesting that you mentioned it. It's like a punish the rich thing because at the beginning, that this conversation you're saying talked about uh, is, I think, potentially significant because it is in the dark. And she mishears him say, white sand brain death. Yeah. But he'd really said, you want some breakfast. Right, right. Uh, so white sand brain death, why would he have that in there unless it had significance? And I do think it's it's ultimately like white sand. We're dealing with this this tropical resort, this beautiful place where you can just turn off your brain in your 75-degree weather, sunny, and... In in a sense, he does die there. Yeah, yeah, uh, many times. Right, at least three. I think we can see that there are three urns. 
Oh, yeah. And he's carrying around the urns with him. Yeah. There's yep. some weird stuff going on here. Part of um, him, right? He's carrying his baggage. <laughs> right. Well, before we jump to what happens there, I really liked the meeting of the two couples because M is she had no desire to be meeting other people right. while they're on vacation. Right. And then enter Mia Goth and her husband? Man, yeah, I, Albin is the character's name. I think it's and her Mia husband. Mia Goth is Gabby. And they claim to be an actress and an architect. Um and this strange dinner that they have together where the sexual tension between Skarsgård and Goth is first established. Yes. Um, and she and she's an actress who specializes in failing naturally. Yes. What did you make of that? Uh oh, I thought it I thought it was um I mean there was supposed to be some bigger meaning there, but obviously it's it's the person in the commercial that like uh who can't do the task, right? Has this right. ever happened to you? Type of a There's thing. There's gotta be a better There's way. There's gotta be a better way. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly it. And that's what she specializes in. Well, that's not acting. You know, that's <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I tell you what though, she's a great actor when it comes to this existential uh merry go round that she puts him on. Oh my god, yes. And she's just fantastic. fantastic. I, I'm a big Mia Goth fan now. Uh, yeah. I will say I did like that she really created a new distinct character in this. Yes. Um, Different from your Pearl. And and, yeah. The first time we get a sniff of something being awry is when they do go out to the beach together, and then Mia Goth sneaks out to Skarsgård while he's Pain. taking a whiz. Yeah. And she gives pleasures him, the old him. Reach around. The old hand job. <laughs> yes. I immediately flash to Rushmore anytime I hear the word hand job. Yeah. 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 Um, so immediately you know there's something a little sketchy about her, but I wasn't clear that Albin was also going to be kind of a weirdo to the man that she's with. Right. And then of course they get back, they're barely let back in. He's immediately ar- arrested upon getting to his room. I'm I, can well, you clarify you... something? Did me did Mia Goss character Gabby report him? Yeah. How yes. did they find out that it's him? Yeah. Yes. Well, what, okay. You just um, forgot that on the way back, um, they, oh, hit, my goodness. they, yes, they hit a farmer who just comes out of nowhere. It's almost, almost- His name? Myro Myron. <laughs> Weird name. Right. Also kind of seems kind of fake, but mm. it, it, it seems that like in any other spot, if you would have called the police and told them what happened, I mean- Granted, he was, I'm not defending Skarsgård because he was under the influence still, right. but this man walks out of nowhere, cross the street when there's one car coming, right. um, and kills him instantly, as they, as they say. But what I understand is that later in the movie, when they're recapping that, Mia Goth even says, we... <laughs> We were gonna try to get you in trouble, but you're so dumb you you got yourself into it. And do you believe do you believe that? You do believe it was then an accident? What about yeah. the lights? No. I on the I car. Believe... Do you not think that was a little rigged so that there was the more likelihood for him to hit something? I don't know. That's the way to that say. the headlights start flashing. You think all right, okay, I'm not sure because No, no, you're right. I was wondering if it was a setup, especially when it's established how much access they have to this clone machine right you know that really threw me off because but this seems i thought this was a tool of the state to make it so that um tourism wasn't affected by the way that they deal with justice there which is if you kill someone even via manslaughter you get to die via the hand of the son of the person that you killed um and then in comes that we're going to make a duplicate of you so you can go home and no one's going to think this is a place that's barbaric. Uh, and But you have to watch yourself die. What did you think about the fact that they made him and M watch that first self-murder? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly interesting. And the only thing that was coming to mind was that this was the lesson, right? That you are not just getting off scot-free you have to witness something horrific and the fact that it's yourself is a form of of um punishment i would imagine but then and then m 
I don't know if it's a dream that she says this, but she says, how could you not do anything during that? And like, right. That was well, this the rule. Be, this comes to the biggest question of the whole movie is, did the real him die or not? That's And that's what I was, that's what I was getting at at the very, at the very top of like, is this a trick? Is the whole movie just a trick in, in, in like, um, the re- the real clone who is screaming out M seems the more um, desperate in the moment, and and that's yeah. My my thought process is that they do kill the real you, and then this this uh, copy or uh, um, clone of yourself is what has to go on. And what what would be the purpose of killing the real you though at that point? I mean that that's what this is what's been bugging me about the movie is because I'm just not clear on which one of them actually croaked and if they were to kill the real him and leave the doppelganger out there is is it because these maniacs are working with the detective who they also say they want to right. kill but then you never see and... the, te- the, the detective again after that now he I'm gonna go in and I'm not um too familiar with this i just know the idea that once you recreate something it's not 100 percent the same it can't be right right so the more times you copy something the worse it is i mean this goes back, that's a good point yeah. this goes back to the idea of like when we used to have vhs tapes if you taped over something you're losing <laughs> a generation you literally lose a generation and right. the more times yeah. you copy over it, the worse it gets. And that's the only thing I was going through this movie was that thought process that like if they really if the originals died, these other versions of themselves of how many times they've died over and over again have gotten worse. They've gotten right. more And terrible. if there is such a thing as a soul, they're gonna be soulless. Correct. As M puts it like you have dead eyes now. Yes. That's what makes me think there's a really good chance that the real him yeah. was murdered. Right. And then... The- it, I did want to mention the name of the act, though, in this country. It's the International Visitors... Oh, no. Here it is. Uh, did I just lose it? Yeah. International and Visitors Diplomats... Oh, no. I'm sorry. I totally lost it here. The I'm doubles. Sorry. There it is. Revised Process of Doubles Act for International Visitors and Diplomats. And ultimately, as noted, it's to ensure that tourism isn't affected. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a really interesting idea here, right? Um, uh, I guess, I guess, what what is the real meaning here? What is Brandon Cronenberg trying to say here? You know, like that's that's what I'm trying to still. I mean, that's the good. That's the thing about a good movie, though, is that I'm still thinking about it. I'm I'm still trying to figure yes. out. Is he commenting on how the rich get away with everything? How the the fact that you can literally buy your way out of anything? The, the, the... I do think that's a big part of it, especially yeah. when we find out that he hid his own passport and claimed it was lost. Right. So he was getting into it there. But I also think like you have to look to the title, Infinity Pool, right? Right. And it's this, once you have been ruined, that's it. That's you're done. Once you've had this PTSD moment or whatever, there's no coming back from it. That's like eternal death sort of thing. Yeah. While simultaneously infinity pool, meaning that he can live forever. He just happens to be this shell of who he is. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So you're absolutely right. There's so much to talk about in it. <laughs> uh, what do you think? What do you think about this drug? Eki gate is what it's called. It's a root drug that really gets you out of your head. Yeah, yeah. Kind of remind, reminded me of like what they talk about in like the American Southwest is like the peyote. You know, like I think it's also a a root. Um, uh, what is the term? Um, hallucinogenic. Like it's it's. You know it. I, I've never tried anything like that. I can't speak to it, but it's an interesting idea that Brandon is introducing something that's going to question reality. Uh, it certainly makes things more interesting for the the audience, right? Like, is this what's happening really happening? But that's also what the character is going through. And, I mean, it kind of reminds me of... Uh, some other other scenes in, in famous movies about just um, drug overdoses or uh, what is the, what is the movie 
with Johnny Depp when they're driving. Oh, I can't even think of it. Um, oh, Hunters. Fear and Loathing? Yes, Fear and Loathing. Like yeah. that whole idea of just like mind-bending, mind-altering drugs. Right. It's... Yeah, and if he's already lost himself prior to that and then you put him in another state, it's a way for her to ultimately control him as Gabby's character is able to do so significantly. Um, there's only the one moment where it seems like he might be able to break out of it, and that's when they trick him into killing himself. Right. Uh, when they say they're bringing back the cop that essentially set this all in motion. And he beats up. But they up, didn't. They right. brought another clone of him, which to me is the biggest issue. Like, wow. How, how did they get it? are they able to get access to all these clones? The, especially there's one, um, like, this was my hardest cut. It was from the moment that they invaded the house and then they, they yep. killed the mistress and the wife and the man. And They're then back. the bodyguard comes in and shoots it up. And then Albin gets shot in the leg. Yep. And then they they bring him they back. They escape. But then it cuts to the fake thems, uh, the second round of clones of all of them in prison, where and they then are you know, brought to be executed in front of the theoretical real them. Yeah. Might I add? It's a weird cut. It was. A, it's a very comedic cut. It's a. It's a device you use in comedies. And in fact, to go back to our episode, our Groundhog Day episode, this would fit perfectly Man. into that thematically. It's. It's that idea of taking something to a point and then just like resetting it. That usually gets a laugh. That moment, you know, like oh, here we are back where we started. And that's a good point. I almost did chuckle in that moment. I'm like, this is a, that's a very comedic edit, but. That's fair. I think what what's really what you're really supposed to question here uh, is that they were in fact running everything. They were in charge of everything, right? The rich, yeah. That's how they were able to get Look. the clones. That's how they're able to continue to just continue do whatever they want, parade down the street yeah. with their cars, making Skarsgård walk out and like just openly shooting. There's there's no laws. Once you're dead, these are, in a way, the ghosts, these demonic ghosts of the people that were killed by this country, you know, that last, and then they do haunt this area in, in a you know, visceral way. Um, one of the moments that really stood out to me is when he's trying to escape, he gets on the bus, and then they they just, like, ride up to the bus and I force him off of the bus, just shooting and being like, we're going to take out the rest of you unless you send him out to us, and then ultimate climax is when he has to then consciously kill himself. Yeah. The dog. And, who, the dog. He's all dog mode in a, in a leash or whatever. Um, but my question is like, what did that, what did that dog version of him think? Was he brainwashed into thinking what, that he would then actually do that? Or was he the know. last version of him that was subdued? And then when he woke up, interestingly in the house, of the person that he hit in the car, which makes me think, yeah, maybe that was a clone of this guy, yeah, that was fodder to set it all in motion. Did you notice um, that some of the locals have a ta tattoos under their eyes? I didn't see that. No. So the little boy who actually stabs him and then later appears in his vision that when he wakes up uh -huh. after being shot. That little boy comes and starts strangling him with his little hands. I'm like, how is that little boy and strangling smile. you? I'm pretty sure he had um, markings under his eyes, as well as the man whose house they broke into. And it almost looked like like hearts or something. And I'd have to, I'd have to like look that up and actually pull it up because I didn't stop it in that moment. But it almost looked like the equivalent of like video game hearts, like you have so many lives. Oh, that's interesting. Or it represents what version of you you yeah, are. Yeah. Which body you are. You're, if you got three hearts, you're the third incarnation yeah, of this. It could I be. I missed that. I wish I'd seen that. Um, because, yeah, ultimately, it's like this weird existential playground for these characters. It's a playground. I was going to say the they're, same thing. They're, they're, they're trying to create, I mean, they, they, they call it inspiration for him because he's got writer's block. This main character's a writer. They're trying to inspire him. At the same time, they just like devastated him, ruined his they marriage. Broke him. They broke uh, him. Yeah, they did break him. They completely broke him. And let's talk the end here for a second, because everything goes back to normal. You have these characters who were just murderous and 
ridiculously sadomasochistic suddenly on the bus just just talking really banal Banal. stuff about what they're going to do when they get their back boring lives right their lives are so boring that they have to repaint their homes and though did you call so and so like yeah i already did that like they're they're daily activities that ground them to some level of or or it's like they're just transitioning back into their normal selves. Like, yeah, like nothing happens. They can just switch it off. And yeah, I struggle with that because that's not what he was able to do. Correct. The end is pretty ambiguous in that everyone gets back in a plane to go back to their normal lives. And he does have his passport. He can go home and to him, but he doesn't. And he goes back to the resort, which at this point is closed yeah, because it's, it's the rainy season. season. They keep season. doubling down on that, they too. You mentioned the rainy, rainy season. season. Um, <laughs> which, yeah, maybe they're, they're just emphasizing this, the seasons of this, the personalities that they have, right? The rainy season is when they get back to normal. Yeah. When it's sunny, that's when they go full on rabbit mode. Um, but yeah, at the end, did you like the end? He's just there at the resort being rained upon. Looks like a, you know, well, like he's dead inside, like a zombie of sorts. I would have almost disliked it if there wasn't that phone call he has with his wife. Because he also tries to transition back. He's like, all right, um, I don't want to miss my shuttle. He's going back to his wife, but then he chooses not right. to. But I think if we didn't get that moment where he was talking to his wife, I would just have so many more questions, frustratingly. So, and to be honest, like it did not seem like they had the best relationship. It no. was very clear that she had married him to like burn her dad, and she was not impressed with what he has become, sort of thing. I, I do love that actress that is his wife too. Yeah, she was Cleopatra. in, um, yeah, she's in that amazing. TV show on Fox about the end of the world, The Last Man Standing. Oh, she's a right. huge player in that, and right. it was good to see her go from the comedies to this. Yeah, just bleakness, as well as Bex, one of the uh, proteges of the Maniacs, who yes. is also in like Kim's Convenience, and she's in The Handmaid's Tale. Really good character acting to see her doing like much more salacious a role than she's yeah. ever put. As she goes from you know priest to that um i I really just like the way that it looked i felt like it it left it was impacting exactly you know exactly i love having questions and it's gonna make me normally with a movie like this i'd be like "Ah, i probably won't watch that again i think i will revisit this this one maybe yeah Yeah. similar to possessor which was brandon cronenberg's first one i want to watch that again yeah too yeah I remember it fondly, and it dealt with a lot of the same themes, ultimately, like popping into another body. Is that really you, or is that dumb? I I give it a bajillion thumbs up. (laughs) Yeah, I I definitely- (laughs) But it's not for everybody. No, it's not for everybody, but I would say it is a really well-made movie. It will leave you asking questions and keeps that conversation going. That's, That's, to me, the whole point of making things. Yeah, I'm curious what Brandon Cronenberg does next. Yeah. Um, and I really like to see Skarsgård doing interesting stuff like this. Oh, same. He might be my favorite Skarsgård. Yeah. And <clears throat> The Northman was fun. I don't know if you caught yeah. that oh, one yet. I saw yet. that. But I'm, I'm glad out of the True Blood crew, he's the one that's, you know, propelling yeah. him to, which, granted he's got his brothers to back him. Yeah. But what? I was going to say, which what just announced this week that the True Blood reboot is not happening, so... Ah, well, that's a relief. That's yeah. unnecessary. <laughs> it's that dead. did not need to happen. Dead in the water. All well, right. I think we've uh, we've done another episode here. We sure have, and we thank you for listening. Um, Got you next. We're week. gonna do better about telling you what's coming in the next week. I think we should we should do better I, about I that. I agree. That's, that's a goal of mine. Knowing what's coming ahead. I agree. Um, I agree. Uh, well, here, but there's we, we have a couple options. Is there, Yes. Yeah, we have a couple options. We might be talking about a, a new Netflix series that you had mentioned called uh, Red Roses. Oh, that's right. Which, uh, Red I Rose. Understand I understand one of the uh, episodes was written by the writer of The Host. Uh, the um, Oh, interesting. The yeah, yeah, I saw her, her promoting that. 
And if we don't do that, I think I think I would like to take a crack at uh, knock knock at the cabin. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Knock at the cabin, and eventually we'll do cocaine bear. But it's gonna be hard for me not to talk. About I know. It. But I'll see. I'll try. Until to see then, it. our beloved listeners, <laughs> stay alive. Right. Bloop. One hour on the nose. Yep.